Today we're going to talk about a training concept that is often misunderstood or completely overlooked, and that is work capacity. What is work capacity? Relatively simple, it's the amount of work you're able to actually do. That might be the amount of work you can do in a given session, in a sporting competition, or throughout things like a week or a month or even more. We categorize work capacity into two distinct types, that is general work capacity and specific work capacity. We define general work capacity along the lines of your ability to do work for time. That is, not just being able to do more work, that is being able to do work for longer or do it more frequently, be able to tolerate a larger volume of work overall. And that's general work. That's not something specific or a key set movement. It really looks at how efficient our body systems are at using energy aerobically, potentially even anaerobically. What improving our general work capacity leads to is our ability to generally train for longer and generally recover faster. The other type of work capacity we call specific work capacity. And we can define specific work capacity as our ability to do specific movements over time. What this leads to is an ability to do more of a specific movement in a given session or a sporting competition, as well as recovering faster from a specific movement. So there's two key outcomes for both general and specific work capacity really are ability to do more work and recover faster from that work. It's more than simply being able to tolerate a greater volume of training, it's being able to respond to that volume and have a better adaptation overall. One of the easiest examples of general work capacity really comes down to CrossFit. And CrossFit looks to increase work capacity across broad time and modal domains. And that really is in the realm of general work capacity. It's not being able to do a set movement or exercise in isolation to a very high standard. It's the ability to respond to a large variety of different exercises that might be shorter and longer in duration. If you have increased general work capacity, you have a greater ability to, to do work over a variety of generalized tasks. Specific work capacity, on the other hand, really looks at specific movements to whatever your sport or training outcomes are. So if you're a powerlifter, it really looks at your ability to train absolute strength in the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. And specific work capacity would work on those key movements, and that might look at squatting, bench pressing, deadlifting, as well as the ability of the muscles that contribute to those movements to be able to do more and more work, not necessarily just by squatting, bench pressing, and deadlifting. You might be doing other upper and lower body exercises that have some similarities or carryover to the three big lifts. A sprinter looking at specific work capacity would be their ability to do sprint repeats for more and more times in a training session. An Olympic weightlifter, again, is gonna focus on their ability really to do snatch and the clean and jerk and be able to do more of them in a set session recover from them faster in order to do more of them over a training week. That might also include some key accessory movements for Olympic weightlifters, such as squatting. Enhancing our work capacity leads to two key positive outcomes. Not just increasing the amount of training volume we can undertake in a given period of time, whether it's an hour, two hours, a session, a week, or anything else. It's also the ability to recover faster from that same training. So it's not just volume and isolation, it's also recovery and increasing work capacity not only allows you to train more in a given session, it allows you to train more, more frequently. And really is a combination of your ability to tolerate volume and frequency of training in a generalized or specific sense. We've got a diagram here that pictorially represents what a difference in work capacity might look like going back to our general adaptation syndrome, where we have an initial baseline being the dotted black line, an amount of stress being applied, a drop in our performance, a return to the baseline or compensation, and then our positive adaptation being super compensation, which is an improvement above the baseline. Now the red line indicates someone 
with a lower amount of work capacity. They can only do so much training to elicit a certain amount of stress, they'll have a recovery and they'll improve. If that same person had an increased work capacity, their adaptation might look more like the blue line. That is, they can undertake a larger training volume, which leads to a larger training stress overall in the session. So an even greater drop in our initial performance from the session, but then a more rapid recovery, meaning they're back to the baseline faster. At the same time, our previous person had made their adaptation or improvement in their performance. This person's made a greater adaptation in their performance. Work capacity is important. Understanding it as a concept can help you design more efficient and more effective training. We don't want to train for the sake of things, we want to train for a specific outcome. We have to identify what that outcome is and then how, one, we can increase the volume of our training to get a better adaptation, and two, how can we improve recovery that leads to a faster adaptation, meaning we can get more training stress in every session, every week, every month. <laughs>
snatch and the clean and jerk and being able to do more of them in a set session, recover from them faster in order to do more of them over a training week. That might also include some key accessory movements for Olympic weightlifters such as squatting. Enhancing our work capacity leads to two key positive outcomes. Not just increasing the amount of training volume we can undertake in a given period of time, whether it's an hour, two hours, a session, a week, or anything else. It's also the ability to recover faster from that same training. So it's not just volume and isolation, it's also recovery. And increasing work capacity not only allows you to train more in a given session, it allows you to train more, more frequently. And really is a combination of your ability to tolerate volume and frequency of training in a generalized or specific sense. We've got a diagram here that pictorially represents what a difference in work capacity might look like going back to our general adaptation syndrome where we have an initial baseline being the dotted black line, an amount of stress being applied, a drop in our performance, a return to the baseline or compensation, and then our positive adaptation being super compensation, which is an improvement above the baseline. Now the red line indicates someone with a lower amount of work capacity. They can only do so much training to elicit a certain amount of stress, they'll have a recovery and they'll improve. If that same person had an increased work capacity their adaptation might look more like the blue line. That is, they can undertake a larger training volume, which leads to a larger training stress overall in the session. So an even greater drop in our initial performance from the session, but then a more rapid recovery, meaning they're back to the baseline faster. At the same time, our previous person had made their adaptation or improvement in their performance. This person's made a greater adaptation in their performance. Work capacity is important. Understanding it as a concept can help you design more efficient and more effective training. We don't just want to train for the sake of things. We want to train for a specific outcome. We have to identify what that outcome is and then how one, we can increase the volume of our training to get a better adaptation. And two, how can we improve recovery that leads to a faster adaptation, meaning we can get more training stress in every session, every week, every month.